If one of the hardest things to figure out these days is what to watch next, first of all, congrats. Second of all, you should check out HBO Max. Discover something new to watch on HBO Max like Lovecraft Country, the new HBO series from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams that's got everyone buzzing. Plus, HBO Max is the only place you'll find new binge-worthy Max originals like Selena Gomez's new cooking show. You heard that right. Selena Gomez's Learning to Cook, from some of the world's best chefs, no less. Find your next favorite all in one place on HBO Max. Start streaming today. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Let's talk about your cell phone carrier. When you think about your plan, does what you're getting feel fair? When it comes to staying connected, don't settle. When you switch to U.S. Cellular, not only do you upgrade to fair, you're also joining a reliable network you can trust to have your back. No hidden requirements, no activation fees. Now that's fair. Learn more at uscellular.com. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who tried to bulletproof coffee once, but I found the Kevlar vests aren't very good substitute for a mug. But in my spare time, I'm just a reporter and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Dave Asprey, the founder and chairman of Bulletproof, which sells protein bars, supplements, and of course, Bulletproof coffee and cold brew, as well as a range of other things. He's also the host of a very popular podcast, Bulletproof Radio, and the author of several New York Times bestselling books. His most recent book, which came out last year, is now in paperback called Superhuman, The Bulletproof Plan to Age Backwards and Maybe Even Live Forever. Dave, welcome to Recode Decode. Kara, I've been a fan for a long time. I'm really happy to be on the show. Thank you so much. I, we, you know, we were going to, you're, you, you're going to come to code when we do it. We're, cause one right. of the things we're doing, our code conference is talking about, uh, I guess it's transhumanism is the word being used now. So for those who don't know who you are, and I think a lot of people, my listeners certainly know who you are. Can you give sort of, how do you look at Bulletproof right now? What kind of company is it? And I know you're working on a range of other things, Sure. but talk a little bit about what you mean by superhuman Bulletproof, all, all that beyond coffee. I think everyone got the coffee with everyone the got butter the coffee. in it. Thing. Yeah, right. Uh, that's become a, a big, a big phenomenon globally. So, uh, Bulletproof has a couple sides to it. One is the consumer packaged goods company, and uh, we make supplements. You know, top collagen protein company, coffee, the the things that you might know Bulletproof for. Uh, and then the other side of what I do is uh, Bulletproof Media. Uh, which is uh, millions of people a month coming to learn about, hey, how do I have more energy than I than I thought I could? Uh, how do I have control of my own biology? And it's led to uh, the creation of a new word in the English dictionary called biohacking. And Merriam-Webster's added that uh, in 2018. And the cool thing there is that's what brings together the you know, tech entrepreneurs, software developers, and Hollywood and neuroscientists and bodybuilders and people who might not necessarily mix that much. And it's because everyone has the same desire and it's the desire to control our own biology. And maybe you wanna be the world's fastest runner or you just wanna be able to focus really well. It's all about control. And now we have more tech to help us control and even hack ourselves. So that's what I do, I teach. So talk about that trend because initially, you know, I, I think a lot of, it did start a lot in the tech industry and it's also people being interested in it, I guess, sure. your clients. Um, but talk a little bit about sort of where it's gone from. Cause initially, you know, it's just the coffee room was sort of, everyone's always sort of interested from the beginning of time of improving themselves, whether it be this diet or that the Scarsdale diet, this diet, um, sort of fending off 
the inevitable, which is weight and age and death, essentially. Um, and so talk a little bit about where it's developed from sure. and, and where it is in the mind, because a lot of people do attribute it to sort of narcissistic tech people wanting to perfect themselves in a way that's not, that's narcissistic, I guess, or arrogant. Oh, it's it's incredible. I guess only tech people have ever wanted to perfect themselves no, they, throughout all well, this. You know. <laughs> it's you know sort of a basic say. human thing. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think it is. It's really interesting. I used to joke, um, you know, Jack Dorsey does the intermittent fasting, which oh, is yeah. super interesting. And I actually don't eat until one o'clock every day, too, and I eat for eight hours. And um, so I don't find it like a, out of the weirdness. But when he started to do it, and everyone was praising him. I was sort of like, when women talk about food, they have an eating disorder. When Jack yeah. Dorsey talks about it, it's a lifestyle. But but go ahead. Talk about where we are right now. Sure. In order to know where we are, I'm going to talk a little bit about how we got here. I created Bulletproof, the blog. It was called The Bulletproof Executive. And no one ever talks to people like us. And I'm a tech entrepreneur. Uh, you know, I lived in Palo Alto. And, <laughs> you know, all, all the things that you do. Uh, worked at a venture capitalist. And since that was uh, such an issue, no one ever gave a crap about what I cared about. I didn't want to be a, a jock. I wanted to be almost muscular, as the New York Times called me once. I, I don't want to be too ripped. <laughs> I, I just want to like be there. Not Bezos level, but you know. Yeah, yeah, like you know, 0. 0.8 Bezos. Right. <laughs> That's that, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg is 0. 0.8 Bezos. There, there you go. Ever. Yeah, I, I could, I could mm -hmm. do that level. And I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it because I care about my family and I care about my pursuits, maybe more than the average person. I, I don't want to go watch football. I, I have other things to do. So there was no voice for that. And I started writing for that. And of course it took off in Silicon Valley because it works, not the coffee. I was actually, I had a bigger hit for modafinil, the smart drug. I was on Nightline. They flew to my house and did all this stuff. And the reason modafinil is a big thing in the tech community is I was the only guy who took a bag off my head and said, actually, I took this to get through business school and for my career and my meditation. And it actually changed my life for the better. Uh, and that kind of a conversation was, hey, like, like maybe we can hack ourselves instead of hacking our phones. And before that, our computers. And before that, our automobiles. You know, the, the lineage of hacking goes way back to building hot rods. So right from there, it, it hopped across to New York. And who else cares about this? The Wall Street traders. So I flew around the world. I met hedge fund managers. I was hired by an investment bank to teach them how to make their brains work better. Because these are the, the top level cognitive athletes, our entrepreneurs, developers, traders. They're just, you never get a break and you always have to focus. And then Hollywood jumps in because they get nailed. They're 12 hours in front of lights. And then the music industry comes in because they're touring all the time. So the most demanding physical and mental things where you have to look good, feel good, and be able to think, they're the people who who did that. And of course, from there, it makes it into popular culture. But the people who are benefiting from biohacking, from the whole lifestyle now, not just Bulletproof Coffee, it's what I like to call kombucha moms. Like the hardest job of all is actually <laughs> working. Is that a compliment, kombucha mom? But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, it, it, I don't think it's a bad thing. That it means that they're they're health aware. No, right? I know. The idea is, is I'm doing something for my health and for my family's health, and I'm also probably working full time. I have a commute, and I don't have enough energy at the end of the day. And I want control of my own biology. Oh, and on top of that, I'd like to look good because I'm still a woman. And by the way, there are kombucha dads as well. But the deal is we're dealing with the forces of biology and aging. We're dealing with family and emotional pressures that are normal, plus career pressures. And just about everyone feels out of control. And like the accelerator is pinned to the floor and they're pushing harder, but the accelerator won't go down anymore and the car isn't going faster. And 
So if you can get a boost there, that desire for control, it's the same as it is for Jack Dorsey as it is for anyone out there who's feeling maxed out. And I would argue Jack's level of being maxed out is a little bit higher than the average human's. But still, when you're maxed out, it's not a safe feeling. So talk about where you've moved past the coffee. You've gotten into lots of other areas. Where where right now is the landscape of biohacking? Obviously, now people know about it and they're talking about it. And a lot of it's being incorporated, just like a lot of trends where people did one thing and now everybody just does it, you know, or they don't. Sure. Like I, even today, washing hands, everyone's suddenly washing. Like suddenly people accept it as the thing to do uh, because of th- it betters their life yeah. in some fashion. Well, there's a few things that have now boiled down. They were kind of revolutionary when my first big book came out in 2014 or when the blog started in 2010-ish that are, are, I think, known to be effective and that certain people are doing. And let me list those and then we'll talk about some of the very cutting edge stuff. So some of the things that we know works, intermittent fasting, or at least not eating too often. Uh, We know that quality of sleep, not quantity of sleep is very important. So sleep hacking has become a big thing. Um, and I've actually invested in a lot of these areas too and other companies doing this. So I'm not saying these are you know, like bulletproof things or day of things. Um, these are areas that I identified early in biohacking. Um, there's controlling the composition of your diet, not just your timing. Like that's, we've known about that one forever. There's also temperature. This is cryotherapy. Uh, the idea that you can become exceptionally cold or at least take a cold shower. And the opposite of that, which is saunas, which have been known for a long time, but now we have science behind them. We know how to use them and, and when to use them. Within the world of exercise, we've realized that endurance exercise is pretty much garbage because it wastes a lot of time and probably isn't very good for you. But that high- like running a long time? Yeah, or, or- long distance running or cycling. It can be fun. It can be relaxing. I'm not saying you should never do them, but just in terms of living a long time, getting younger or feeling better or saving time, high intensity interval training or lifting heavy things occasionally gives you way more results and way less time. And mm-hmm. even just the admission, hey, I want to exercise less and get the results. It used to be sort of a shameful thing to say that. And I was like, uh, no, I really don't want to exercise, but I will, mm-hmm. right. uh, the minimum necessary. So let's go through each of them. Start with intermittent fasting, where we are now. Now, that's something that's taken a while to get in. But a lot of people, I am surprised by, I don't mean regular people, but people in Silicon Valley aren't regular compared to other people. But a lot more people are talking about this issue. I was, oddly enough, I went, I was in San Francisco. I hadn't seen my kid's babysitter in forever. And she looked great. And I said, what are you doing? Like, you know, you really do, you've lost weight, you look fit. And she said, intermittent fasting. Now she works for tech people. So I'm sure that's how it got to her essentially. But it was really interesting. And she was very up to speed on it. And it's not someone I would say would, you know, yeah. it got that far kind of thing. It, it's crossed the Talk chasm. Talk about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And by the way, we did forget meditation, which is another right. very big right, shift we'll over the last 10 years. We will get to okay. every one of them. Good deal. So intermittent fasting is one of those things where I grew up saying, if you, if you skip breakfast, you're a bad person. I mean, it was one of the things your body will go into starvation mode. Here I am, I'm weighing 300 pounds at the time. And what? I used to weigh 300 pounds. Oh, God, I yeah. didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, I've lost 100 pounds on biohacking. Thing. I was the fat yeah. computer hacker, like the stereotypical jolt cola, right. you know, from mm-hmm. Jurassic yep. Park 1.0. And it was not, uh, it was not a comfortable thing. So um, being that heavy... Uh, taught me a lot. The reason I, a lot of this hacking was necessary for me is it wasn't just about performance at first. It was just about getting to average. Uh, and then it was about exceeding average. Uh, so intermittent fasting was fantastic because it flew in the face of everything that anyone who's over about 35 was told 
consistently. It was you have to eat every you know, six times a day. That's what healthy people do. And to just get breakfast for me was at first a, a challenge because it felt like, I, you know, I've been told I'm going to die if I do this, much less mm-hmm. putting butter in coffee or something. Right. Uh, you know, it, it was so radical. And now people are saying, oh, I can just do it. And how I feel is my gauge. But we were taught it's not how you feel. How you eat has nothing to do with how you feel. So drawing that bridge, most people feel better. But what's happening now is people saying, well, I've been intermittent fasting every day for two months. And I know that it works because I lost weight and I felt really good. But now my sleep is crap and my hormones are broken. I'm like, you know what? Uh, And I've written about this. For women especially, intermittent fasting can be really good, but you might not want to do it seven days a week. You might want to do it three or four days a week because it's like exercise. You can overdo it. And it turns out that women tend to be more sensitive to hormonal fluctuations from intermittent fasting. And there's probably times in your cycle when you want to do it or not do it. So all of the things we're going to talk about, these are tools, but you don't always use the same tool the same way every day. And I just, I want to put that out there, but for everyone, it's safe to skip breakfast or just wait until you're hungry to eat. In fact, it's probably better. And if you don't feel hungry till lunch, don't eat. You'll live longer. It's pretty straightforward. So the, the idea behind it is that you, you start eating at say a noon hour. There's a number of ways to do intermittent yeah. fasting, but the most popular one is this eight hour window, uh, yeah. I think. Pretty much. There's some where you don't eat for a day. It's quite complex and actually yeah. somewhat, I, I'm I think, working, not doable. I'm working on my next book about all the different kinds of fasting mm-hmm. and uh, and the different effects on the body because it's fascinating and it's easy to do and it saves you money. But the basic one is only eat during an eight-hour window of the day. It's really not that hard. So you have lunch and you have dinner. And if you want to eat between them, you can. But just don't have breakfast and don't eat after it's dark. And if you do that, you'll probably lose weight. You'll probably have better blood sugar. Your brain will work better. And if on Saturday morning you wake up and you have the pancakes, it's okay. You're not going to die. Yeah. And then in that time period, you you also talk about uh, what you put in your body, the nutritional aspects of it during that time period. Because it's not that you can eat anything you want during those hours. If you were on the you know, the the pizza I mean, and beer, relatively healthy. If you're on the pizza and beer diet and you do intermittent fasting, you'll still be better off than <laughs> <Okay>. not. <laughs> but really, you probably could do better. You put the pizza and beer in the blender with butter, and then it's. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the idea there is, it's going to be a step up, even if you eat crap. And mm-hmm. a big problem with a lot of the diets, even the keto diet, which has become a part of biohacking. Yeah, The Bulletproof Diet, uh, my book from 2014, talked about how the quality and type of the fat and protein you eat is massively important in ketosis and you have to go in and out of it. But today we have keto bros saying, I got milk protein isolated. If you eat a carb, you're a bad human being. That kind of stuff doesn't work over time. But everyone listening can get a serious cognitive boost if you're willing to go through three or four days of not feeling good. Uh, In other words, don't eat any carbs at all. And all of a sudden you're just going to feel like you're on fire. Your brain works again. And that's what ketosis does, or you can hack it the way I write about. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's one. So the next one after uh, intermittent fasting, uh, what sleep. Do, sleep. Sleep. Sleep has been a big challenge because as a, a tech guy, like why would I possibly sleep? Like we're building the internet here. Like this is the birth right. of cloud computing, yeah. like, like yeah. stupid sleep. Right. And I went, when I started Bulletproof. Hustle porn. It's called hustle porn. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I admit that I was addicted to hustle porn. <laughs> and uh, at the beginning of Bulletproof, I was a VP of cloud security at Trend Micro, a big tech company. And I started what's now you know $100 million plus company. And uh, I, I slept four to four and a half hours a night 
on purpose. And I did that for a couple of years. And you know, I lost weight and I felt really good. And I started a company and I was charged with energy because I was doing biohacking. Now, the evidence is that that probably makes you older and you shouldn't do it. The evidence is also that it's possible. Now, what this means though, over time for me, was I switched my thinking to saying sleep is critical, but it's not the length of sleep, it's the quality of sleep. So you might mm-hmm. have noticed I'm wearing the, we have, the, the ring. More, the aura, the aura? yeah, right, exactly. Um, one of the, I want you to explain this ring, but the, the the idea was that you're supposed to get eight hours of sleep. That's been the recent and, and napping intermittently. Four I guess. hours of sleep is garbage science, mm-hmm. and I've always thought this. And the reason I say eight hours, eight hours, or, yeah, eight no, hours. eight hours is is garbage science. And okay. The reason I'm saying that, sorry if I said four, it, mm-hmm. is that the longest and most detailed study ever of people was actually done in the 80s. They had 1.2 million people and they got enough data points that they could actually look at the difference in whether you're going to die of all causes or not based on even a half hour difference. It was so much data they couldn't crunch it in the 80s. So someone found the data and recrunched it in the 90s on modern computing. And what they found was people who sleep six and a half hours a night live the longest. Now, that's not to say sleeping less makes you live longer. It's that healthy people need less sleep. So if you need more than eight hours of sleep, your odds of dying from all cause mortality are much higher than someone who needs seven and a half hours of sleep. So the argument would be that eight hours is a, it, it's, it's a random number basically, but that the quality of your sleep is important. And if you have no data, it's pro, you're probably going to get enough quality sleep in eight hours. So, hey, let's just tell people to do that. But the return on investment for anyone listening to this, if you got an hour, hour and a half of your day of extra time just to read or relax or play with your kids or watch Breaking Bad, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a free hour and a half. And you woke up and you felt as good or better as you do now. It, there's just so much abundance there uh, that that's why sleep hacking really matters. So this is an idea that you get better sleep than a lot of sleep or, yeah. or just the eight hour sleep. So explain that. And you're wearing, you're wearing your Oro. Explain I, what that is. I'm that's, wearing a ring. There's a bunch of sleep trackers yeah. out. Some go under the mattress, some go under the pillow. Some are more accurate than others. Some have pill, uh, mattresses that take, yep. it, it essentially knows if you're moving around, I'm guessing, correct? It, it also looks at temperature and respiration. Um, I was CTO of Basis. It's a wristband company that was acquired yep. by Intel for $100 million. So I was CTO and co-founder um, of the um, American side of that company. And I looked really deep at the data on on this and became convinced that right, sleep matters. I have 14 years of my sleep data. <laughs> that wow. I, I've been sleeping with an EEG headset, these super ugly oh, stuff. So yeah. I, I care about it because it's one of the highest returns. And today, uh, just last night, I slept about about six hours, but I got two hours of deep sleep and an hour and a half of REM sleep, which is more than most college kids get in eight hours. So I feel fine. My brain works. It's all good. But what people can do that that changes the equation for them is not necessarily go out and buy an aura ring, although I, I love this. I think it's very actionable and it tells you whether, oh, that glass of wine or whether that late night snack ruined your sleep. It did. <laughs> I can tell you absolutely it did. Uh, but you're probably not going to believe me until you try it. It's that you can do things like make your room perfectly dark, get good blackout curtains, turn off the LEDs in your room, lower the temperature of your room. And this was revolutionary advice a little while ago. It's been echoed all over the internet, but if you search for you know, the sleep hacking posts, I, I wrote these things in bullet points saying, these are the things that, that I have tested to work and here's the studies. And so it, it's not expensive to do that. 
but just darkness before that led to the creation of one of the the companies in my portfolio. Um, it's called True Dark, and we make glasses that have patents that filter out certain kinds of light, not just blue blockers. Uh, that for me, I have eliminated jet lag from my life. It's it, it's pretty incredible, but it's all about just understanding the body's a system. How does it react to the environment around us? And that's what biohacking is. Change so the environment. So these glasses you wear while you sleep, you wear you wear them before you go to sleep, and they trick your your timing system in the brain that's light sensitive into believing that it's pitch black, even though you're looking at your phone or your computer or the bathroom mm-hmm. lights. Mm-hmm. So when you do that, at least when I do that a doubling of my deep sleep. So if I hadn't worn my true dark glasses last night, I probably would have got an hour deep sleep, not two hours because I was up till 11.30. And the amount you want is more than an hour or- I want at least an hour and a half of deep sleep, ideally too. Right, and the things that prevent it are looking at your phone right before. It turns out it's not very much light that will block it. But yeah, if you look at your phone, your screen, or turn on your uh, your bathroom lights, your kitchen lights. Uh, So my Mm -hmm. house has dimmer switches and all. But just having a calm, dim environment in the evening will change the quality of your sleep. And the next day, you're going to show up better at work. You're going Mm -hmm. to be nicer to the people you care about. It's a really big deal. So sleep hacking is important. And then there's supplements you can take uh, and there's breathing exercises and there's audio files. There's all kinds of things. But bottom line is, if you've never thought about hacking yourself, you're happy enough with your weight. You don't mind you've got an extra 10 or 15 pounds. If you just were to change your sleep, you'd probably lose weight. Your blood sugar would be better. Your energy would be better. Your depression and anxiety would be better. Uh, it, it's a very, very big and very easy to move needle for most people. Curtains. <laughs> curtains, curtains, get curtains. All right, we're here with Dave. I wear uh, iPads off my face. Smart, so smart. Cover them. We're here with Dave Asprey, the founder and chairman of Bulletproof, and we're talking about uh, biohacking, which apparently he's the father of. We're going to take a quick break now, and we'll be back after this. Searching for what to stream next? HBO Max is where all of HBO meets the greatest collection of movies, shows, and Max originals for everyone in the family. Discover something fresh to watch with new HBO series like Lovecraft Country from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams, or The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You can also jump into a new Max original like Selena Gomez's new cooking show, Selena and Chef, or The Flight Attendant, a dark new comedic thriller starring Kaylee Cuoco. Ridley Scott's even producing a new series called Raised by Wolves. Whether you want to rewatch classic favorites or finally get into that show your friends have recommended a thousand times, HBO Max has something for everyone. Start streaming today and find your next favorite. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial. If you're an early adopter, you get that your devices and your connections need to be fast and help make your life better. But you might be forgetting one thing. Tech should be fair too. Fairness isn't a new idea but it is to wireless. That's where U.S. Cellular comes in. At U.S. Cellular, people come first. And that means a fast, reliable connection with no hidden requirements and no activation fees. They'll even pay you back for unused data. When you upgrade to U.S. Cellular, you upgrade to FAIR. Learn more at uscellular.com. We're back with Dave Asprey. We've been talking about a range of things. Uh, Dave is, of course, well-known for Bulletproof Coffee, but he's been doing a range of other things. We're, talk- we're working our way through some things, and then in the end, I'm going to talk a lot about what's coming and about the attitudes people have towards uh, their body and aging. I know you want to live to, what, 180? Is that at how? least 180. I don't want to put We're going to get to that. We're gonna, I right. want to know what you're going to do at least to 180. But let's go through. So we've got sleep, uh, food. 
Talk about food of the list of things you had. People have been interested in food to control how they look and how they feel since the beginning of recorded history. So this is nothing new. What is new is that we have data. Since it's been such an an area of interest for us, you have to ask yourself why. And it turns out uh, there's an algorithm for what all biology thinks about. And this is an algorithm that emerged from both my background, my undergrad studying complex systems and AI, and looking at how do we do what we do. Well, the first thing that humans do and all life form is run away from scary things. That's our fear response, which drives all sorts of bad behavior. The second thing is eat everything because famines kill species regularly. So we evolved to eat everything. That's why that cookie is so attractive and eventually it will win even if you're, you throw your willpower up against it. The third thing, by the way, is you know make sure to reproduce the species. But that second thing around food means that we think about it in inordinate amount of time. So the trick now from a biohacking perspective is how do I turn off that stupid voice in my head that tells me to eat the cookie? So I can look at the cookie and the voice doesn't wake up. And to do that, it's a cellular effect. So how do I tell my my nervous system, tell my body, tell my hormones, you don't need to eat right now. And there are some levers that have come out of, of the biohacking world And when you pull those levers, you simply aren't hungry. And intermittent fasting is one of those. You just train the body. You know, I thought I was hungry. I will not be I wasn't. Yeah. But there are other things. One of the ingredients in Bulletproof Coffee suppresses hunger very, very effectively. And you can do that during an intermittent fast. And another one is there's certain kinds of prebiotic fiber that you can use that have almost no calories. And you eat those and you don't get hungry. And funny enough, avoiding certain foods that may taste really good, but that cause you to have a sugar craving an hour later. And of course, eating sugar will do that, but there's other foods that do that as well. And once you get rid of what I call kryptonite foods, you end up with this idea that, wow, I can eat my vegetables, I can eat my healthy fats, um, and I can eat the right kinds of high quality protein. And then, wow, I just am not hungry for four, maybe even six hours. And when you do that regularly, the amount of energy that goes to the voice in your head, that you're, it's wasted energy, it just goes down. And so what people are figuring out is, I've got to eat in a way that makes me not feel hungry, makes me feel full, and controls my blood sugar. And now for 50 bucks, you can get a continuous glucose monitor. I just took mine off. Um, I'm going to replace it later. There's a little thing that sticks on the back of your arm that'll tell you on your phone anytime, what's my blood sugar doing? And you can be, wow, I'm feeling really hungry. And you look and you say, wait, I've got plenty of energy circulating in my blood. I don't need to eat. I'm not hungry. It's something in my metabolism. Let me work on that. So we're waking up to this idea that putting food in your stomach doesn't necessarily give you energy. In fact, it might just be bad for you at this time. Talk about what food, because one of the things that's really confusing to people is whether they're doing, especially in Silicon Valley, someone's doing keto. The other's like, no, I was at a table literally where they were all arguing <laughs> that you should eat a potato. No, you should eat brown rice. No, you should eat legumes. And I, I just... I just took the cookie, I'll be honest with you. But it was just, it was, it's kind of one of these things where, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm certain that cookie will make me fat, so I'm going to go with that. But what, it was really interesting because everybody has their theories. What is, you, your theory is no legumes and fruits, I think. I'm trying to remember sure. all of the so various. The, the Bulletproof Diet is, it's a one-page infographic that's on, it's on my blog. Uh, and it just tells you, look, these are the types of foods, and I'll tell you what those are in a second, for each of the categories, protein, vegetables, 
carbs, fats, etc. These are the things that don't cause you to get cravings and that give you the most nutrients with the least problems. And then there's a big swath of suspect foods. Uh, Kara, you might be able to eat uh, a bell pepper and feel great. For me, if I eat it, I will have profound sugar cravings and I'll wake up the next day with arthritis. Okay. All right. Okay. It, it doesn't wow. mean they're good or bad. It just means that they're for some people they're they're the they're the the guilty suspect. So oh, interesting. You know, Jaja Gabor and her sisters ate like six bell peppers a day, and that's why they had beautiful skin. They they claim. But go ahead, it, move along. It totally could be, and it probably worked for them too because <laughs> there's suppose. really good antioxidants in there. There's also things that just pummel the the cartilage in my body because of my genetics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if, if someone's always told you those are good for you and you eat them every day or like wheat or, or milk protein or whatever else, you would never know how you were supposed to feel. In my case, I was blessed with being in constant, really severe pain in my joints and my back, having arthritis since I was 14 uh, because I love New Mexico green chili in the same family because I grew up in New Mexico. You know, it, it, it's irritating, but now I know I'm free of all that pain. So I went through and said, here's what these different vegetables do to mess up your life because the vegetables don't want us to eat them because, you know, all all life forms don't like being eaten by others. And then at the end of that, there's some foods that are just bad for everyone. And you might say, well, I don't want it to be bad for me. So I don't care. Sugar is not good for you. MSG is not good for you. Canola oil and soybean oil are not good for you. And you can still have vehement arguments just like we can about politics. I just like to reference the science and the science has to say, you know, here's some big spread out observational study, but at the same time, here's what happens mechanistically in the system of the body. And here's why this leads to this, leads to this, leads to this. So we have a chain of events. And if the chain of events lines up with this other data, I'm going to pay attention to that. And then I'll just eat a lot of that stuff or none of that stuff and see if it, if it makes a difference. And there's people have lost a million pounds on the Bulletproof diet, but it's different than keto. It's different than paleo. It's lower in protein than most keto and most of the other diets like that. So how do you then, when you have all these confusions going out with people, because I think most people, the whole goal is not just to look good or to be buff or something. Maybe to feel good. Men, it's to feel good. How do you, what do you do when people are, are swinging from, this? it's really interesting because the, the whole diet swinging mm-hmm. was part of sort of a woman's experience and now it's a man's experience, <laughs> which is really interesting. Um, but when you swing from one to the other, to the other to find the real one. And I, again, I, I have had so many people are like, now I'm doing this, no, I'm doing this. And it, it, it's confusing except just like, just eat healthy and stop with this upset. It becomes narcissistic in that regard. But talk about what, what do you do when there's that much, is it finding one that works for you or what doesn't? You have to recognize it's going to be individualized. And when someone says eat healthy, I weighed 300 pounds and I went into my doctor and I said, look, I've really been trying to lose this weight. I'm feeling terrible. Can you help? And he said, maybe you should try to eat healthy and exercise. I'm like, I work out an hour and a half a day, six days a week. I'm on a low fat uh, low right. calorie diet, and I've been doing this. I hardcore. should just eat donuts at this point. Yeah, you're, you're sort of like, why not? So go ahead. So it took me kind of hitting that that level of just anger, where I mm-hmm. said, you know, this shit doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so when I hit that, I said, I'm I'm a hacker. Like we can instrument the entire internet and look at what happens. We don't know why a router's going to flap over there, but we'll figure it out. I teach classes on how to do that. Like how hard could this be? It turns out the human body is hard to hack, but not that hard when you don't have to know the inside of the system. You just have to know the inputs and outputs. So I said, all right, I'm going to try different stuff, and that was the the birth of this. And what is most important there is that level of suspect foods in the bulletproof diet. Look. 
a very meaningful number of people listening to this have a problem with lectins. And lectins came out, uh, uh, Stephen Gundry wrote a big book about these called The Plant Paradox. I mentioned lectins as well as oxalates, which is a major problem with these raw spinach salads that are just ruinous for your kidneys and joints for a lot of people. But for some people, they're okay. And you go down these different lists of things where there's four big categories of plant toxins. Kara, you might be susceptible to some, I might be susceptible to others. But if you eat this stuff every day, you're just going to feel like crap and you're going to go on your plant-based diet. And then four months later, after your health is wrecked, you're going to say, oh, that didn't work for me. And it'll take you two years to recover from that. So people are always going to be doing this. But all you have to do when there's a big argument like that is you look at someone and if you want to be rude about it, you look them up and down and you Mm -hmm. say, how's it working for you? Yeah, And you know, yeah. if they're full of energy and they they look the way they want to look, they feel the way they want to look, you're like, you know what? You should do more of that. Like that is fantastic. Right. Yeah. And no yeah. judgment, no nothing, but yeah. they have to track whether it works over time. And that's how you feel and where your, presumably your cholesterol and blood levels are in a healthy place. Um, certainly inflammation levels. There's big debate over whether cholesterol itself is a very good marker. But the, the problem with many of these diets, including keto and including the vegan or plant-based diet, is that there's a trap. You will feel fantastic for six months on either of those diets. And I was a raw vegan, a devout one for uh, for quite a long time until it just made me really sick as well when I was trying to figure out what's going on with my weight. This was back in like 2004. And what happens is after six weeks, you have formed a new habit based on the research on habit formation. You already know that it makes you feel good and then you start feeling bad. Right. <laughs> but it right, can't be right. the diet. So you start looking at, you know, is it the fairies? You know, is mm-hmm. it uh, Wi-Fi? Right. What is it? Who knows? But you don't reconsider the diet, but it turns out a sustainable diet like this takes a very long time to figure out. And that's mm-hmm. why my work, my first big book was on diet because I did, unfortunately, way more data collection than I wanted to, to hack it in right. a... In a not very resilient system. Okay. All right. So diet, diet critical. And you and you focus, let me just be clear, your diet focuses on protein, vegetables, not fruits. No. But not it, much It's fruits. a plate covered in plants, the ones mm-hmm. that work for you, a mm-hmm. large amount of high quality fats and mm-hmm. animal-based protein, but it has to be grass-fed animal protein or don't eat it. So industrial animals are out. So it's from that perspective, from a health perspective, an environmental perspective, and an animal perspective, it's more in alignment with a vegan diet than you might think. Mm-hmm. But we do not thrive as a species without enough saturated fat. So eat your butter, eat your egg yolks, and eat some steak every now and then, but not too much. And as mm-hmm. long as the cow is treated well and fed well, we all mm-hmm. are in alignment even with our soil. And then no fruits, correct? You can have one piece of fruit for dessert at night. It helps sleep, but not a lot of fruit. It's just too sugary. And in summer, and then when it's bright outside, if you live in a peach orchard, eat a lot of peaches. That's fine. But just don't have fruit all winter. That's going to ruin your metabolism. Fair point. All right. Now, temperature. But this was interesting. I was in your, you have a, a, a lab at the Beverly Hilton. We're yeah. doing our code conference there. It's the Upgrade Lab. Is upgrade that Labs, yeah. Upgrade Labs. Um, so we did the, I did the suit, which was cool. Um, it's a suit that squeezes you. I did the infrared sauna. We did mm. the cryogenic. Oh, uh, cool. The cryotherapy, yeah. Cryotherapy, um, which was essentially getting into... A freezer. That's what it felt it's like. It's 160 um, degrees centigrade or about 270 Fahrenheit below zero. So th- yeah. three minutes of Chill. crazy freezer. Right, it was. I think we were in there about three minutes, maybe a yeah. little longer. Um, talk about wh- this temperature thing. I mean, the squeezing thing was separate. That was the lymphatic system, I think. Is yeah. that correct? Or, but talk about all three, what you're doing there at the upgrade. So this was where a lot of this was, that this was where those things were happening. 
What I did is I identified a set of technologies that get more system signal input to the human mm -hmm. body than it's used to, so that it will respond more than it's supposed to. This right. is literally hacking the signals of mother nature. Mm -hmm. And I collected all those, I put them underneath where I'm recording right now. And eventually I said, I need to share this with the world because the ROI on exercise or recovery like this is much higher than it is from taking a nap. So like, how do we get more out of our day? This is part of it. And what you did when you did cryotherapy is you use that really cold temperature to tell the mitochondria, the, we call them the ancient power plants, but they're really environmental sensors and factories in the body that also make energy. We told them, hey, if you can't turn on a lot of heat really quickly, then you're inadequate to make the whole body survive in this new environment that may include cold. Therefore, could all of the weak mitochondria please step forward and die? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they'll be replaced with young ones. Mm -hmm. And when you first did that, you felt probably really good afterwards because you get a wave of endorphins. Mm -hmm. So when people do the, the poor man's version of this, which is in the morning, aim a cold shower at your head and and specifically at your chest where your, your most temperature receptors are, your body just says, oh, I need to be ready to go so I can turn on heat quickly. Any cell that can turn on heat quickly can also turn on electricity quickly. Basically, you've upgraded the battery in your body when you do that. It's So a shower will work not as well as your... Freezer, not as well. Right? And for the first three days, you will feel like you'll say, Dave Asprey's a bad man every time you do this because mm -hmm. it does not feel good to have that cold water no. on your face. The fourth day, though, you'll say, actually, I feel really amazing. What just happened? What just happened is the level of cardiolipin in, in your mitochondrial membrane just shifted. So your cells are now more effective throughout your body than they were before. And that's for, what, a minute or two One minutes? minute, yeah. One minute, yeah, that you do that. And some people have plunged themselves into pools. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. But for people who can't afford going to your thing, which is not inexpensive, yeah. it's that. And then the infrared at the same time, or that was that. this is a thing you go into a sauna that is a sauna but has red lights. Correct? Yes. There's a couple of things that work. We have there. A, a specific piece of red light technology that you lay on that has infrared mm -hmm. bulbs yes, and red red lights in it. What that does is it adds electrons to your system directly. Red light can do that. And it also reduces inflammation and causes your skin to be uh, more supple and actually to grow more collagen. Right. So this isn't the Trump thing that where he gets in a a tanning booth, but go uh, ahead. No, it's, no, it's not a tanning booth at all. It's uh, <laughs> these are red I've lights. I've been in tanning booths, my friend, back in the eighties. But go ahead. Yeah, I've been in a tanning booth a couple times, looking at circadian yeah. biology and all. I guess I was just in there to get tan. But anyway, go yeah, ahead. I was looking at the, how do I improve my sleep by getting a tan in the morning. And newsflash, it works, but it's probably not good for you. Yeah. So. Uh, what I found out though with red lights is mm -hmm. red and infrared can be profoundly biologically effective. And uh, for just since about the late 90s, I've been using infrared lights on the brain with just really good effects. And now there's actually companies that make light stimulation for the brain. They're doing studies on Alzheimer's uh, as well as electrical stimulation on the brain, which is more on the meditation side of where we'll go. But for whole body red light stuff, there's clinical studies looking at increases in nitric oxide. So your, your blood flows better, your skin gets better, fine lines and wrinkles go down and you feel really good from that. So you just got exposed to cold, told your body be ready, and then you laid down and actually said, here's some extra energy for you. And by the way, make a healthier skin. And you did the whole cycle in 45 minutes probably. 
And if people don't have access to these, you know, spas and things like mm-hmm. that, this is an upgrade lab, the Beverly Hilton's not everyone's going to wander on down there with a hundred bucks to spend, but what do they do? What does someone sure. do then? In, uh, in Superhuman, my anti-aging book you mentioned earlier, in every one of the hacks there, I say, this is what the crazy billionaires do. And I went out and I did it. I had stem cells over my body. Like I, I experimented on myself and wrote the story. There's the, this is moderately expensive. Here's a supplement that does the same thing as the injection, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And then here's the free version or the nearly free version that you can do to, to activate the same pathways that we're talking mm-hmm. about. And for red light, it's hard to do that. You can go out into full spectrum sunlight, which has some of those benefits, but it also has the UV and all. You can get home units that will expose you to red light, infrared light, or even amber light. And one Mm -hmm. of the companies, my glasses company, uh, actually makes those, but many other companies do. And I talk about the other companies on my show as well. Uh, And the idea there is you can have home light treatment that now is in the range of 300 bucks and up. So it's not free but it's within reasonable accessibleness. And this is mm-hmm. anti-inflammatory. And, and these are glasses, correct? That you're wearing glasses. Uh, the, the True Dark glasses um, are a part of that same company. But the mm-hmm. anti-inflammatory nature of, of these lights, it's pretty amazing. One of the things that people will report is they'll put it on their head when they're getting a headache and it doesn't happen, or they'll put it on their, their stomach or their kids' stomachs. I use mine on my kids' stomachs all the time if, if they have a stomach ache, which isn't that often. Uh, but when it happens, you put that you put the light on there, and usually five ten minutes later, you you just feel better. Uh, and even for wound healing, there are studies of certain frequencies of light. So what we're finding is that light is a signal to our cells and to our brain and our timing system. And you can mm-hmm. use light to sleep better. You can use light to speed healing. And that now it, it's hard to argue with the science on those. All right, we're here with Dave Asprey. He is the founder and uh, former CEO. He's the chairman now of Bulletproof. We're talking about a range of things that we're talking about. When we get back, we're gonna finish up talking about meditation and some other stuff, but then we're gonna talk about what's coming next, including living to a 180, which apparently is Dave's goal. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are in your neighborhood, ready to help personalize your insurance. And you can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. Visit statefarm.com today to get a great rate without sacrificing great service. That's statefarm.com. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're here with Dave Asprey. He's the founder and uh, former CEO of Bulletproof. We're talking about a range of things that have been happening in terms of biohacking or body hacking. Do you like either term or what do you, or transhumanism? What do you? I like biohacking because Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more accessible. Body hacking ignores the mind, even the spirit, uh, the emotional aspect that is a big part of this. And I've been a huge fan of transhumanism for a long time. the problem with transhumanism is that it includes the, I want a robot arm, a laser replacement yeah. for my eye, and I'm going to upload my brain to the internet. Actually, I'm totally good with all of those concepts. I only want those when I've fully exploited my existing hardware. I see, your har- uh, existing hardware. Okay. I, I mean, I'm an old data center cloud computing guy. Like if you can squeeze 20% more capacity out of your existing system, you do that <laughs> before you replace it. And yeah. we barely tapped into our brains and our bodies. So right. let's hack it completely before you you replace it. 
Before we go into the cyborg version, fair yeah. point. Fair point. I agree okay. with you on that. All right. So last one is meditation, which I think is really caught on with a lot of people, especially with these apps. And uh, I think a lot of more people definitely meditate. It's definitely reached. It's not an elite thing any longer, or or a, or a sort of woo woo thing. There's a lot of people doing it, understanding just even for calming, especially in this time of anxiety right now with coronavirus. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then I sure. want to get into what's coming next. If you go back 15, 20 years in Silicon Valley, if you said you meditated, you were probably Steve not Jobs. to be taken seriously. I mean, there were some just, Steve Jobs types, but amongst yeah. the engineering coder uh, friends, right. network engineering guys like me, if you meditated, you were probably pretty weird. Uh, and it, that wasn't something that that I'm just gonna say a, a real entrepreneur or a real man would do. Right. Uh, and I find myself in yoga classes just doing everything. And, and finally, I, I got to the point where all the stuff that was supposed to work didn't work. I was pretty darn miserable, uh, bad relationships, all that kind of stuff. I went to Tibet and I learned meditation from the masters. Mm -hmm. uh, I did all kinds of very out there personal development work to figure out what was going on because I'd exhausted you know, the Western science perspective. And I learned a lot and I started talking about meditation as part of biohacking and I wanted to bring that in. And it culminated in, I, I started a neuroscience company that can do decades of meditation in five days of very <laughs> intense work with custom gear on your head. And I've spent four months of my life with electrodes glued to my head doing <laughs> these advanced states of meditation, which has allowed me to do a lot of the stuff I do because I shut up the voice in my head. Most people, whether they're successful or not, have a pretty cranky, angry voice in their head and all sorts of unconscious patterns that are designed to be invisible to them. And if you can bring those into your awareness and you have enough energy in the body at the same time, you can usually change them. And rather than consciously changing them, which takes energy, you actually reprogram them so you don't have the urges anymore. It's the difference between using willpower to ignore the cookie and not having a voice that says eat the cookie in the first place. Mm -hmm. You can also turn off the voice that says, you know, shy away from that, don't do that, that might be scary, and all the mm -hmm. other weird voices in our head. I had maybe more than my fair share of those and the vast majority of them are gone. So meditation is something I think everybody should do. I think from kids yeah. in terms of anxiety and everything else, it seems something easy, it's an easy lift. It also, it's, it's just taking a moment. And if you can focus it, that's really the point is the ability to focus your energy or attention. The sound files, the, the apps that are available for meditation today, uh, it, they're so important because Having a meditation teacher is great, but there aren't that many meditation teachers who can sit there with you and say, oh, okay, I can sense that you're doing well and give you a good signal. Like that's what you would do in a monastery somewhere that doesn't scale. So you can get 50% better, 70% better just with an app that scales to millions of people easily, which is fantastic. And then you can do breathing exercises with a teacher who says, no, no, you needed to you know, straighten up your shoulders. And there's all sorts of nuances depending on which practice you want to do. But perfection is not required. Like use an app, take some deep breaths, read a book about it, go to YouTube. Any of those is going to do better than not meditating. So it is free at this point or very low cost. And it is a low-hanging fruit, just like you're saying. And, and everyone ought to be doing it. And if you don't do it every day, you'll, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do it absolutely. when you need it. So last thing is exercise. And then I want to get on to what's coming next. Uh, you, okay. you've been, there's been a really interesting series of articles, lots of places, New York Times, where less exercise but more intense, it, it, you, more, more carrying weights when you exercise, doing them in bursts. Um, it seems to be it's, it's starting to, there, again, another area just like diet where there's 50 different ways to exercise. And no, no, this one, no, you should do this one. From your perspective, I think you're talking about these bursts, this idea of burst or, or high intensity yeah. workouts. 
workouts, whether it's on a bicycle or wherever, running or whatever you do. Can you talk about where you are with that? Yes. I went from being a long distance uh, cyclist Mm -hmm. uh, where I used to have a Cannondale and ride my 20 miles a day when I was fat. And I never lost the weight doing that. I was a, a mountain biker for a long time. I tried being a runner, but having arthritis and knee surgeries and weighing 300 pounds, running when you weigh 300 pounds is not a way to lose weight. It's a way to get injured, which did happen. So uh, I went from that and from the everyday workout, which is what most people want to do because daily habits are easy. Turns out the science is very clear and I've gone into to the details of it in uh, a couple of the books I've written. In one set of studies, 20 minutes of movement a day causes those mitochondria in your body to remain healthy. Mm -hmm. So that means going for a walk. You don't have to breathe heavy. You don't have to carry weights. You don't have to do anything weird. No spin classes required. It's literally a walk moving around. It's at least 20 minutes. More moving is good, but 10,000 steps a day, there was no science behind that whatsoever. That was a marketing campaign from the 1950s from a company out of Japan. Then you look at uh, what happens when uh, you look, you go to weights. If you do weights every day, you'll be like a lot of the tech CEOs that I, I've coached. You know, I'm going to run an Ironman this year and I'm working out six days a week. I'm flying all over the planet, but I never miss a workout and I'm running my company. And then I say, let me look at your labs and their testosterone's through the floor. And then I say, let me guess, you don't sleep very well, do you? I'm like, how did you know? I'm like, and so you don't have any libido either, do you? You're overtrained and overstressed and under-recovered. Mm-hmm. Right? And so this is the problem with exercise. The solution to that is two times a week, maybe three times if you're paying a lot of attention to it, you do high-intensity interval training uh, with weights. In other words, you lift really heavy things to failure, ideally with a trainer. You can do it with electrical stimulation. You can do it with blood flow restriction, which all of these are ways to get more exercise in less time. Um, at Upgrade Labs, we have a piece of tech that removes gravity and uses a computerized winch to fight against you. Mm-hmm. And that'll put muscle on three times faster than picking up rocks, which is the same way we've always exercised for the last you know, 5,000 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can hack muscle building that way, which is pretty interesting. So with the average person is exercising, doing, you know, there's all kinds of now soul cycles or pelotons or whatever. How do you look at those? Is that a bad thing or? If soul cycle and peloton make you feel really good, uh, you can certainly do them. The evidence though around endurance exercise and coronavirus is not really compelling. What endurance exercise does is it teaches the heart to beat faster to make more energy mm-hmm. and it moves a very small amount of blood. What power exercise does is it teaches the body to, in a single heartbeat, to move a huge amount of blood. So a more efficient system can move more blood in less work. So training in those those high-end cardio ranges doesn't actually work very well. And I've had a few guests on the show who have actually crushed their own records by training way less for endurance events. So this idea of going out for you know, a 10-mile run every day or a spin class every single day, I don't think it's borne out in science, but if it makes you feel really good, I'm not going to argue against it. Right, right. In terms, so the thing people should be doing are these high-intensity workouts for yep. shorter, like, this, not, like the seven-minute workout. Now there's a nine-minute, I forget what it is. I have an AI-driven bike downstairs that uh, you use for seven minutes a day, mm-hmm. and, a, and a university researcher they did not pay has validated that you get better cardiovascular results from that seven minute, um, zero sweat required workout. There's only about 40 seconds of hard work in the seven minutes. You mm-hmm. get better results than a 45 minute continuous endurance uh, spin. Spin plus. With sweat. With sweat. <laughs> so and I then kinda like com- that. combined with weights, correct? That's what you're no, talking there's about. There's no weights on that. That there's is no literally on. But what do just you do bike. every day? What, what is it you do every day? What do I do every day? 
Uh, I stand on a vibration plate. Yeah, I, I do manufacture the one I use, but there are many others. Uh, and uh, I'll do that and I'll do some stretching exercises on it. And a couple times a week, I will do something. I've got all the equipment from Upgrade Labs. I have experimental electrical stimulation uh, and I've got blood flow restriction. Uh, so I will do something like that maybe once a week, but I exercise less than most people you know. I'm 10.1% body fat and I do not restrict my food and that I'm not hungry. I eat incredibly well and I grow most of my own food. And mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm almost 50. Yeah, like I, I have biceps. That. Thank you for that. <laughs> they're, they're not like stupid biceps, but hey, like, I, I, I'm a dad, you know, I'm yeah. gonna go with this. I, I feel pretty yeah. good about how okay. I look. Right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that show, that gun show. He did, Dave just showed me his guns, which is, you know. All right, so we're gonna talk about, to finish up, talk a little bit over, over about 10 or so minutes about where things are going. This idea of living forever, this immortality, ink kind of thing. Um, one of the things, a lot of tech people are working on this, and they're working on getting rid of senescent cells, um, basically dying cells. Uh, talk about where you think the 100 years, what does this, besides replacing your body completely, which we talked about earlier, uh, what is the most interesting trends that you are picking up right now? The biggest trend coming is that anti-aging is real and it's not about having your face resurface to look young. It's about actually being young. It's about having the hormones of a young person, having the energy of a young person, having the wisdom of an old person and the cognitive capacity of a young person. Well, that would be nice. And it's not here as a, a dream. It's happening in dozens of research labs all over the world. And I've been blessed 20 years of learning from my elders running an anti-aging nonprofit group in Palo Alto that was founded by one of the guys who invented Ethernet, believe it or not. And look, having watched this evolution for 20 years, you would never see a Harvard scientist working at the, at the university step up and say, we can turn back the biological clock on ourselves. I'm talking about David Sinclair. I just talked to him yesterday, interviewed him again. And you don't see people putting their academic reputation on the line unless they're really damn sure that this is happening. And he's not the only one. There are dozens of things in phase three clinical trials that are going to reverse the root causes of aging. And in Superhuman, the book I wrote, I outlined the seven different pillars of aging that we now know are causing it. And the reason we always got it wrong before is we say we're looking for the one super pill. There isn't a super pill because it's seven things that all interplay with each other. But if you support the seven foundations and there are teams of hundreds of people with hundreds of millions of dollars hacking each one of these things, when you do those mostly right, what you're going to find is that if you're 140 years old, you feel like you're 50 and you look like you're 50, but you've seen everything. So you've seen the cycle. I, I don't want to get into the philosophical things yet, but when you when you do this, the key parts are I you know I've been digging into a lot of venture capitalists are investing in this area. There's some really interesting stuff going on, and it's not you know when I mention it to people, they're like that's crazy, and I'm like, well, why do you why are you hospitalized the last ten years of your life? Like why is that not as <laughs> That's right. crazy. Keeping someone, and then, you know, the, the term, and I'm not a, I don't want to say woo-woo, but I'm not a woo-woo person, but the idea of a health span is actually a really smart one in terms of, you know, right in the yeah. middle of this crisis, stay, getting rid of things, things uh, underlying conditions. It's two words we never knew, thought we'd use so much. Three, ventilators, underlying conditions, and uh, social distancing. These are three words we never thought right. we'd use. But this idea of underlying conditions that you could, rid, once you rid yourselves of those or try to assuage them, you know, as not part of accepting that part of life, 
it's an interesting idea, and it's interesting how many people dismiss it. At the same time, there are big issues to living to 140 on this planet, or unless you're healthy, I guess, and productive. It's the other yeah. thing, attractive seniors. I have zero interest if, if aging looks like most people think it does mm-hmm. today. And when you say really old age, let's see, wheelchairs, diapers, tubes, mm-hmm. and not knowing your own right. name are the uh, being fully reliant on others. That's the picture that most people have. If that's the picture, I'm out. <laughs> so our, uh, our fundamental goal is, it should be anyway, uh, to die at a time and by a method of our own mm-hmm. choosing. So when you're done, you're done. And if like, it's not worth it because I'm suffering too much uh, or I don't want to do the work it's going to take to recover if it's even possible, then all right, you, you just decide that it's your time and you go on to whatever's next. And there's great debate about whatever's next. You don't have mm-hmm. to know, but you can just be, I, when I'm done, I'm done. So I want to be able to put that off until I feel like I'm really mm-hmm. done. And I feel like there's a lot of fun stuff to work on and that the longer I'm here, the more wisdom I'll accumulate. And at one point, I'll be in the position of the 90-year-olds who have taught me so much of what I know <laughs> to be 90 right. doing that. So what are, what are the key things happening from scientific point of view in that regard? I, you're talking about venture investors saying this is crazy. Look at a company called Samumed. Mm-hmm. And this company has a $15.1 billion valuation and they've actually tackled five of the seven pillars of aging uh, using small molecules, using peptides, using some other proprietary stuff. And they're in phase three clinical trials for most of these things. So they're going out there and doing it. How'd they get that valuation? Because this is world changing stuff and it's just one company. We're to the point now where you can go and you can do a whole body MRI using a different set of math filters than you had before that can spot early cancer way before it was before. And people don't know this, even though the incidence of cancer is up a little bit, you have a 50% better chance of surviving right. now than you did five years ago. Yeah, diagnostics are critical. Yeah, diagnostics and also just our treatments are, are better. And so we're continuously learning on these things. And we're now taking all that stuff that we didn't know mattered. We're putting it into machine learning systems and looking for what we used to call big data back in the day, <laughs> looking for these event correlations. It's like, wait a minute, is there a scientific reason for this event correlation? And what we're finding is, yeah, there is validity here. So it's unlocking all kinds of pathways for, for us to become not, not necessarily older. That's a side effect of just being healthier. Mm-hmm. So the idea of being healthier among the different pillars, what would you say? I know they're individual and they are systemic, presumably with they affect each other. But what do you think is the most promising? Is it this idea of health span or uh, diagnostics early? So if you get your, you know, you're going to get cancer, you can prevent it in some fashion. Health span is an unsexy word that no one's mm-hmm. ever really going to go for except for cognitively. No mm-hmm. one's ever woke up in the morning and said, gee, today I'd like to have a good health span. So <laughs> it's a garbage marketing word. It's right. just better than anti-aging, which everyone thinks mm-hmm. means plastic surgery. Right. <laughs> so right. I don't know a better word, but here's the thing. When we're old, we want to kick ass like we did when we were young. Mm-hmm. And that's really what this is about. And all of a sudden at that point, you say, oh, in that case, yeah, of course I want to be old. And there's a very few 90-year-olds, if you ask them, hey, do you want to die today or you want another year? They go, you know, I think I'd like another year. Right? Yeah. So this is human nature. We don't want to go and we don't want to feel like crap either. And because I experienced that in my 30s of having most of the stuff that happens to you when you're old, I've been there. I'm not going back. And what that means for us in terms of just the promising areas the most important area is one of the seven pillars. It's around mitochondrial function. 
uh, full disclosure, I have a bias towards that because I wrote a, a, a book that hit the science bestseller list on mitochondria in the brain and I understand them so well, but because they make hormones, because they make various chemicals in the body and they're the power plants of your cells and, and the neurons in your brain and your heart or, and the, the muscle cells in your heart are studded with extra mitochondria because they're needed so much. Those are the hackable area. So we're now figuring out 48% of people under age 40 have early onset mitochondrial dysfunction. By the way, you want to predict which people are more susceptible to the coronavirus. It's the people whose bodies can't make enough energy to fight it off. Mm -hmm. And everyone over age 40 has mitochondrial dysfunction. It's considered normal in aging. And my whole underlying idea behind biohacking is what can I do to make my mitochondria more powerful and younger? And that, it gives you more of everything. And that's why I think those are the most important area of hacking. Uh, at the same time, uh, resetting the biological clock, the, the telomerase, uh, the, there's the Hayflick limit and there's a Horvath clock. We're actually learning how to take cells and move them back. And a lot of that bumps right into stem cells, which are being held back in the US by regulatory rules that make no sense. And the doctors who are preventing people from needing major joint replacement surgery using a relatively simple and safe procedure, they're getting targeted. So you said you did this, you put, you did a stem cell. I did something called the whole body six hand stem cell makeover in, uh, in Utah at Docera Clinics. And what they did is uh, I was unconscious for four hours. They pulled a half a liter of my bone marrow out, pulled cells out of my Whoa. fat. And while I was unconscious, they injected with, so three doctors are doing this. One of them is a Johns Hopkins uh, neurosurgeon. And they put my stem cells in my cerebral spinal fluid all along the inside of my spinal cord, every joint in the body, every vertebra, knees, elbows, fingers. And the reason I did that is that, oh, I also did my hair, my face, and my reproductive organs. Mm -hmm. I would like to feel really good when I'm 100 and mm -hmm. preventive maintenance is easier. Uh, ah. so, so this is a, something I wrote about in Superhuman. Most people aren't going to go to that. This is, you know, I could have bought a Tesla, but I decided that investing in my body was more important. I'm fine with my eight-year-old car. So how did you feel? <laughs> how did you, what was the, what was, Honestly, what's the, the result you want from that? The next day I felt pretty wrecked, as you'd expect. This is a major procedure. But over the course of the next six months, your energy goes up, your, the pain in your body goes down, like you feel younger. Mm -hmm. right? And it, it's a supportive, preventative thing. But even before I did that, Harry had gone in and treated some long-standing shoulder problems and knee problems I'd had, and they got very much better to the point I gave my parents stem cells for Christmas. And my mom you says, oh, I can quilt again. My, my finger doesn't hurt, you know. <laughs> you gave them stem cells. And that's in this country. This is the that's kind of thing. This, Utah. again, yeah. not widely available for most people. So how do you scale this? It turns out. Stem cells start at $5,000 for mm -hmm. a major joint. So if you're having, like me, I've got three screws in my knee and they told me I'd be lucky if I could just, I'd be thankful I could walk and even mm -hmm. if I couldn't play soccer anymore. And I would say that really should cost $1,000 and it should mm -hmm. be going down and it should be covered by insurance. And when the regulatory side of things gets straightened out around stem cells where they're not a drug, they're my cells, therefore, uh, you know, I should be allowed to use them and my physician should be allowed to use them. So there's gray zone in the US right now. Once we get past that, either people will do it here in the US or we'll go to Mexico or Thailand or wherever and we're gonna get it done. It's dirt cheap and it's better than joint replacement if you do it early enough. All right, one of the things, obviously in the popular culture, it gets made fun of blood boys and things like oh, yeah. that. It, it calls to mind that concept 
Um, how do you get regular people to think about these things? Because some, you know, parts of this people go, oh, that's a quackery. Like I, I can hear my brother in the back of my head right now. He's a doctor. Oh, sure. Like quackery, quackery, quackery. And I'm sort of, I'm always like, it was interesting. Years ago, I had a thing where I found out I had very low white blood cells and they couldn't mm-hmm. find out why. They just couldn't. They were like, they tested every, leukemia, AIDS, everything testing. And then finally the doctor said to me, you know, you have um, neutropenia. And I said, mm-hmm. yes, that's like low, that's low white blood cells. That's a description, not a diagnosis. And he goes, well, that's what we're diagnosing you with. And I'm like, but that's not a diagnosis. It's a description. And I go, I speak English better than most people. So I'm telling you, you're not. They had, and I said, can you just say I have no idea and then I'll be fine? <laughs> and they're like, no, we, we know what it is. I said, no, but you don't know why. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was really, it was a fascinating discussion because, and they were like, well, it's just the way it is. I'm like, fine, but you don't know. Like, Do you still I just, have it? I don't know. I have to check. I have to. I, I don't think so. I, I would want to run an air test of your house. A very common cause of neutropenia is toxic mold in the air. If, ah, interesting. Yeah. Well, no, this is a different. This is years ago. Okay, this is when I had a baby. I'm not living in the same house. Um, and it was just, it was just interesting. Sort of the the doubtfulness. Uh, it was it, the doubtfulness on the behalf of medical doctors, who, by the way, are doing heroes work right now during they, they coronavirus. Are. But, but how do you get people thinking that way? I want to finish up. How do you get people thinking that this isn't, you know, because when you do see Jack Dorsey with his meditation, his fasting and his weird beard, everyone goes, ah, like and make fun of it. <laughs> I love like, Jack. you know what I mean? I know, I do too. I do too. But you know what I'm saying? It like gets this sort of not for everybody kind of thing. It's one of those things where exercise wasn't for everyone. Do you remember Jazzercise? No, I do. <laughs> okay, so in the 80s or whenever that was. <laughs> Jane Fonda, my friend, yeah. I did that. Yeah. Uh, people would put on their leotards, they go to these classes. People yes. would never exercise and they yeah. do these these horrible classes. I used to have to sit outside and ride my skateboard when my mom did mm-hmm. it. And it's the thing where we are now at a point where you can watch Captain America at the beginning of the first Captain America movie, yeah. they take the scrawny kid and they throw him in this chamber and he comes out taller, stronger, faster, better, stronger, smarter, all that kind of stuff. That's real. We are actually doing that. So of course it's a superhero movie and they make up all kinds of crap. But mm-hmm. if you watch the beginning of that movie and just ask yourself, what if 10% of what they just did in there actually could happen? Would I do it? And we're actually getting there. And there are things you can do that will make you noticeably younger and stronger. And the pain that you've accepted as a part of your life is not necessary. The weird voices in your head that you're just used to being in there criticizing you, they're not necessary. But before you felt like you had no control over that. And Mm -hmm. what's happening now is we have enough tech and enough knowledge and enough ability to go in there and actually change it so that you suffer less on a daily basis and you have more energy than you think is possible. And if you can get some percentage of what I just said, you'll probably give it a try. And if you like how you feel right now and you accept all of the limitations that you think are normal because that's just what people your age do, then you're allowed to go down that path. And you know, I, I, you know, I'm very happy for you. There are a good number of people who are going to say, you know what, I will rage against the dying of the light. And mm-hmm. Those are my people. And it's okay yeah. if you're not one of those, it's all right. Yeah. All right, Dave, this is really helpful. It's interesting because it is, I think a lot about, you know, self, anything people accept, whether it's technology or something like that, it's a really interesting thing not to just say no to initially. And at the same time, be wary of like people who are taking advantage of it, of being you know, this is going to be a solution for your everything. And that's that. That's where the problem is. There's a lot of uh, hucksters in this environment. There are hucksters and, and you have to be a little careful too. When, when a doctor says someone else is a quack, 
-hmm. What that is, is that's code for, I feel insecure about myself because that other person is doing something that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. And there's a basic scientific ego that comes mm -hmm. into play here. And 100%. it's this kind of logic. That can't happen, therefore it didn't. Mm -hmm. So if someone injects growth hormone before surgery and heals twice as fast as they're supposed to, the surgeon's going to say, it was a miracle that you healed like that. And by the way, this happened with my father. I might have mm -hmm. helped him get the growth hormone. Mm -hmm. And the surgeon, when he says, well, do you want to know how I did it? He goes, no, no, there's nothing you could have done that would have made that happen. It's just random. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's ego right there. Yes. So notice the outliers, be an outlier. That's the biggest goal. That is a fair point. But I will warn you, there are people who do take advantage of people. There absolutely are. We're, and we're in all agreement those crazy about that. diets yeah. and stuff like that that are just not good for you. You, you have know, to look at their credentials too. By the way, yeah. I have none. Um, Remember the grapefruit than, diet, Dave? Uh, exactly. Right? I like grapefruit though. Can I eat grapefruit on your diet? You no. can eat grapefruit, just don't eat it in the morning. Oh, all right. Okay, got it. All right. Thank you, Dave. This is super helpful. And we're going to have you back. We're going to have you with code once we get, when we're allowed to see each other in person. I'm so excited to be a part of it back when we're allowed to have events. Okay, absolutely. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Erica Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Dave, where can people find you online? Everywhere, it seems. I am at DaveAsprey.com, and that's mm -hmm. where thousands of, of posts are. Bulletproof Radio is more than 700 episodes, uh, top 0.1% mm -hmm. on on iTunes and I would love to see you there. Okay, if you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you share it with a friend and make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice or tap a link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Special thanks to Squadcast FM. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Friday. Tune in then. HBO Max brings all of HBO to your fingertips, plus an epic list of new Max originals. Whether you're into animation, classic movies, or binge-worthy series, HBO Max's suggested collections are curated by real humans, not robots, so you find the right thing to watch every time. With thousands of options for you and the family to choose from, it's the streaming platform of your dreams. HBO Max, where HBO needs so much more. Start streaming now at hbomax.com.